This is the audio version of Talking Comic-Con, a cup of tea with an Englishman in San Diego, the weekly live YouTube podcast on air every Sunday, discussing everything in the world of con culture, and brought to you by your host, Lena Sultana, and joined each week by friends of Comic-Con forums, Alyssa Franks. This is Season 4, Episode 3, broadcast on Sunday the 21st of August, 2016. And this really is a packed episode this week. Firstly, talking to Nerdist Editor-in-Chief Rachel Hine about the epic San Diego off-site event, Conival, which was held at Petco Park this summer. And then, joined live from Wizard World Chicago by regular viewer James Binder, who talks to us about the convention and the controversies that it has raised about replica weapons in cosplay. Talking Comic-Con is looking for sponsors for this year's podcast. If you're a company that would like to help us keep bringing the latest con news to our viewers and listeners, head to anenglishmaninsandiego.com slash contact us to get in touch. Okay, so it's um, 10 a.m. Pacific, 1 p.m. Eastern, 6 p.m. GMT, which means it's time for Talking Comic Con, uh, a cup of tea with an Englishman in San Diego. Thank you very much indeed for joining us today. Uh, this is our weekly show where we talk San Diego Comic Con, con culture, and all the stuff and nonsense in between. Plenty of other cons that are still taking place even now as the summer convention season wraps up. Uh, we will be having a live report, hopefully, from uh, Wizard World. Uh, James Binder is going to be joining us a little bit later. But uh, if there's anything you want to talk about in terms of con culture, anything that's happened in the news, certainly in terms of the uh, Wizard World uh, controversy that happened this week, uh, both of them, uh, considering there's been some uh, art theft going on, uh, which was uh, detailed in Bleeding Cool, and, of course, the whole business with um, GS. Ammo, or GS Arms, sorry. We will be talking about that a little bit later. Um, if there's anything about that you want to talk about, if there's anything else, do jump in on the Q&A on the Google Plus event. Any questions, do let us know. Let us know where you're watching from as well. And, of course, you can let us know uh, using the hashtag CupOT. SDCC. Please jump in on the conversation. Uh, joined today by my uh, uh, two guests, uh, we've got ourselves my regular partner in crime, Alyssa Franks from the Friends of CC Forum. Hello, Alyssa. How are you? I'm well. Um, getting over the mid-season hump, excited for the show, the last shows of the year, uh, Dragon Con. Hope to find somebody to do a live report from Dragon Con if anybody's out there who's going to be doing that. And of course, NYCC. Um, Plus, uh, you know, really getting excited for the new TV season. Sci-Fi Channel, I think, has got like a half dozen shows they're putting on this year, uh, uh, like real science fiction shows. So I'm pretty amazed by that. But uh, that's that's what my week has been like. Okay. And are you preparing for um, Star, a Star Trek convention as well soon? Yes. I'll be driving down to New York for the Star Trek celebration. I'm looking forward to that. Uh, it will be my first time as press. I don't quite know what to expect, but um, and I have not been doing my SDCC fit, so I'm a bad person. So I am going to die in New York City without having done any walking since San Diego. <laughs> I can tell you from personal experience, not a good thing. Yes. Not a good thing at all. Um, yes, I... As most people know, I did some damage uh, to my foot at Star Wars Celebration the weekend before SDCC. So I was limping around uh, San Diego quite a lot. A lot of fun. Um, one of the places where I did limp to uh, was at Conival, which was uh, held at Petco Park. Did you see that segue? Did you see how that went? I thought it was rather, I thought it was rather smooth. Uh, we have been joined by Rachel Hine, who's the editor-in-chief at Nerdist. Hello, Rachel. How are you? Hello. I'm doing well. How are you? <laughs> I mean, do you, have you done any interviews like this about Carnival? I mean, is this the first time you've had the chance to really talk about what you got up to? Yeah, actually. I mean, I spoke with people at Carnival. We had people come back to the green room, but I was running around so much when it was going on that it was kind of five minutes here, five minutes there. So it's exciting to talk about it now that it's happened and it went, you know, pretty well. So... It's, it's exciting to be on the other side of it, for sure. Oh, I'd say it was a success. Uh, <laughs> I mean, the, this was, was this year two at Petco Park for you? For uh, the, the Conable event? Uh, for Conable, yes. We were at Petco. 
two, three years ago on the upper level when Nerd HQ was in the second concourse where we were. And so we had laser tag up there, but it wasn't the scale that we had last year and this year. So this was the second one, and this was my first year really being involved with the Conval aspect as well as the coverage of breaking news and everything coming out of Conval for the actual site and the news portion of it. So balancing that was definitely, this was a first for me. So... <laughs> I can imagine that was a lot of spinning of plates. Uh, well, I, I suppose, <laughs> suppose it's a, a good place to start then, just as a brief introduction, if somebody doesn't know uh, who you are. I mean, I know that uh, obviously the main face or faces of uh, uh, Nerdist, uh, you've got Chris, of course, and Matt, and the usual guys from the podcast, and of course the guys from uh, uh, the, uh, the live shows and the YouTube shows. What do you do for Nerdist? So I'm the editor-in-chief there, so I manage our team of editors and writers. We have five full-time editors who are also our hosts that you would recognize from the shows like Dan Casey and Kyle Hill. We had Malik Forte before, who has moved on, but you know we've got uh, Matt Grossman, who does music for us, Alicia Lutz, who is my co-host on a new show we're doing called Fangirling. And so I manage that team and manage the content that comes out of the website, and we have about 20 to 25 freelance writers that we work with as well, so I manage content strategy, I manage the team, I help manage the schedule, and then I work with all the other departments within Nerdist, so our sales team, our marketing team, um, analytics, everything from the nuts and bolts of the website to other platforms that we're on to live events, so I kind of coordinate the editorial side with all the other departments. Everything, basically. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> it, it has the word nerdist on it if you've got your, your fingers in, in those pies. Um, certainly when it came to Conval then, what was your role in putting that event together? So Conval is the, the, very the much... content or...? Uh, yeah, it was, it was multifold, but it's very much a team effort. So I was working with... We worked with a great company that helps us design... Everything that you see there, we you know worked with the theme with Chris and Felicia because we were there with Geek and Sundry, our sister site as well. So I worked with our editorial staff and our writers to, uh, you know, attend press rooms and do interviews to cover panels and breaking news out of the convention. We worked with the Nerdist News team, so they were figuring out which panels they wanted to cover live. We did a lot of Facebook Live this year and sort of reported live, which was really fun, from Carnival. And then the other side of that, which normally that's what I do every year, um, the second side was working with our talent producers and the company Encompass that puts on the whole event with us to book all the guests that came to the main stage and coordinate with the publicists, make sure that they got in safely. had a working with me this year, which was a first for me. So that was really interesting to figure out. You know, you've got so many fans and you want to make sure that people feel safe, so figuring out where to check people in, how we're going to get them to the stage, and then all of the content that came out of those interviews as well. So it was it started with booking everyone and then figuring out the announcements and getting the schedule up and then really the run of show throughout the whole weekend. I'll tell you what, we'll do a bounce thing. I'll ask a question and then I'll let Alyssa ask a question. Well, I, the first question that came to mind is what don't you do? <laughs> it's really, yeah, it's really, it's not just me, it's a whole bunch of people, it's just managing kind of all of that. So. I mean, I think the first question that I really want to put forward, especially when it comes to uh, Carnival, is because it is an off-site event which is definitely kind of marshalling talent, which is also appearing at San Diego. And I can imagine this is a very similar uh, challenge that Nerd HQ have, in that they are kind of pulling from the, the schedules and the timetables of the, uh, the, the scheduling that uh, SDCC put together. When does things really start gelling together? for an event like Carnival? Um, it depends on which aspect, but it is it does come together right close to the to Comic-Con because people's schedules are shifting so much. Even even ours, you know, we do we put on our own panels with Comic-Con and they're great partners with them. So it's it's always kind of a last minute thing, which is exciting and stressful, but in terms of the event itself, we start planning 
pretty early on so that we can be ready for that. But in terms of programming, it is definitely there might be a week of last-minute change. And that's why we try to keep everything digital, our schedules and things like that. So we had those signs that had the schedule in them, and we could update them live in case we had to switch people around. Hard to get around from point A to point B in San Diego, too, especially with these large casts. So anytime something swapped out, we just do it in real time. So we kind of stay on our toes the whole time. So in San Diego, when you have um – when you're focused in on, on, on doing one particular project, uh, are, are you able to kind of uh, block everything else out or do you have to, to really just focus on multi, on multitasking and overseeing everybody? So you never get a chance to do any of the writing for a particular um, event that's occurring and you just pretty much leave that up to the individual hosts that are, are putting on that particular event. It depends on the event. This year, for sure, I what because I was in the green room most of the time and managing the stage, I didn't end up writing anything. But that's what's great about my team, which is they are the hardest working team out there. They are amazing. And so we had the hosts doing the interviews on stage. We had Kyle Anderson, our associate editor, and Matt Grossinger, one of our editors, kind of manning the fort in an editorial room right next to the green room. So we were coordinating the whole time in case anyone had questions or we wanted to figure out how to cover something. So it's really, that's the great thing that um, about having such a great team like that is that we can, I can help delegate and I can answer questions and I need to, but they really take the ball and run with it so that I can focus on what I'm doing at any given time. How many people did you have on staff for San Diego? Oh, gosh. I would say, I mean, our most of our office goes down. We take a big bus. <laughs> so um, it's really fun. <laughs> on the way there, everyone's, like, singing and listening to music, and then on the way home, it's dead silent and everyone's sleeping. Um, but, yeah, I think we we work with the, this company, Encompass, so they bring, they were sort of the brand reps. They hire more people to help with the individual places that at Carnival, mm-hmm. but for my for the coverage for my team, we had our you know six full time folks, and then we had about ten freelancers down there. So, well, when you've got teams like that, then again, you were also having to uh, kind of coordinate with Geek and Sundry. How did that work? I mean, is it a case of sitting in the office and saying, okay, we do this and you do this, and this is how we kind of divvy up the the event? How how did that work? Yeah, so we all work together uh, starting months in advance, and so we figure out what makes sense for each brand. You know, we do a lot of the interviews. They have really fun interactive games that they play, so making sure that we're in the right spaces for what we want to do, that we're all sort of under the same cohesive, you know, feeling, and that it all fits into the theme that we picked, which this year was summer camp, which is really, really fun. So it's it's a constant just discussion and back and forth about what what works for both of us and it it ends up being really great because we do we cover a lot of the same things but we address them in different ways and we do it in different ways so it really meshes together into a really I think a really fun experience. So I mean the, uh, certainly the one thing that I did notice this year because I, I did manage to get to Carnival last year as well. Um, last year it was very busy on the actual uh, the, the event floor and on at Petco. Uh, this year was a little bit more uh, s- subdued, but I suspect that was also down to some very stringent security when it came to Petco Park. Uh, this was obviously an issue that spread across all of San Diego, as you as you know, with uh, various things happening around town this yes. year. Um, with Petco, what's what's been the relationship with uh, Petco Park in terms of actually hosting Carnival at their location? Oh, they've been a great partner. That was something that when we learned there'd be stronger security, we thought this is super important and there's a lot going on in the world right now and we want to make sure that everyone feels safe everywhere that they are. So it was really just a dialogue of if anyone was having issues, we just worked it out with them, but they they were a great partner. I was sort of wondering, you, primar- you primarily de- dealt with Carnival. Were there any um, other panels that you had a hand in um, at, at San Diego? Which which panels were those? So, yes. Yeah, so we, um, Nerdist and Geek and Sundry both had their own panels. 
and Sundry, of course, had Critical Role Lives and stuff with Felicia, who also came to our, our carnival. On the Nerdist mm-hmm. end, we had a really exciting new panel this year. Um, Alicia Lutz, our managing editor, who's a TV goddess, um, did Nerdist TV about genre-bending shows with uh, Stephen Moffat and Brian Fuller. So that was really, really exciting um, because she's a big fan. She's been covering new shows for us forever. And so got to have this really awesome dialogue with them that I hope we continue each year bringing on very cool showrunners to talk about the nature of TV. Um, we also had the, the big Nerdist panel with Chris Hardwick, which is always so much fun. We have Jessica Chilbot and our president, Adam Reimer, and then the, the editorial team together to talk about what's going on with Nerdist. And that's always fun because it's almost... We do a couple questions down the line, and we have fun with each other, but then we open it up to really Q&A so that people feel like they're getting a chance to dialogue with us. Um, and then I moderated um, I moderated the Archaea Comics Labyrinth 30th anniversary panel, which was really, really fun because um, I'm a big Labyrinth fan, and, uh, and they produce some really incredible art, so that was fun to get to introduce that to people. What was it like to uh, moderate a panel in... A huge room. I'm nervous, yeah, because I'm. I mean, I do more public speaking stuff now, but you know, I started out as a writer and an editor, so as you can imagine, I'm, I can be a little shy. <laughs> so I've worked my way up to these big rooms, but um, at my first, my first Nerdist panel three three years ago, gosh. I had a little a little cry beforehand because I was really nervous, and then I got out there and it was so much fun. But I just I didn't know what to expect. There were so many people, and I was just like, oh god, like I'm normally in my editing cave and I don't know. What to talk to anyone. <laughs> but it's fun when you think about we're all fans. Everyone's here because they love we love the same stuff, and we want to have a dialogue about it. That makes it a lot less scary. I think. I am most comfortable in dealing with tech stuff, so I totally get where you're coming from and, and being thrust in front of the camera <laughs> like this. It's it's difficult. I think Leonard doesn't quite understand it because he is so um, he's been a DJ for so many years. <laughs> he doesn't quite understand the you know how much we have to overcome to actually be on screen. Yeah, <laughs> I, I am. I am continuously trying to push Alyssa to host a panel herself next year. So that's a <laughs> that one. You should do it because once you do it, you realize that it's it's just really fun. And it, it and the more I do it, the less nervous I am. So now I feel pretty good about it. Who approached who when it came to the Labyrinth panel? Because it was the, it was one panel I really wanted to see, but um, it happened to clash with uh, this thing that I was doing, uh, this panel um, that I was I was moderating a panel, uh, so I wasn't able to make it myself. Um, so, yeah, uh, who approached who? Uh, Boom Studios approached me to, to moderate that one because I'm pretty vocal about my love of the Labyrinth, so I think they, uh, I think they knew that I w- would be interested. And, um, you know, other other places have been really kind and sent me exclusive. You know, we've covered a lot of exclusives for them, we love the Henson stuff. They send us excerpts from their Dark Crystal series and the Labyrinth stuff. So um, we have a really great relationship with them, and they're they're awesome. They they give us all the awesome comics so that we can share them with everyone. So. Okay, we do have a couple of questions coming in on the Q and A. Thank you very much indeed to everyone watching. Do keep those coming in uh, if there's any questions you want to put to Rachel. Um, this is from Aaron Nabus, uh, who's saying, how far in advance do you start planning for Conival? Uh, in ter- I'm, I'm guessing it's in terms of actually sitting down in a room and saying, right, this is what we need to do. So the conversation is ongoing all year. You know, we, we have wrap-ups from the previous year and we start thinking about what the next thing is going to be. Um, but in terms of like, one of the other big events we do is South by Southwest. So we start planning that, and that goes through March. And so I think we're the first meeting for our weekly, we do kind of a weekly and some other people get together in between. But the start of the weekly was the week after Southwest. Certainly the question that I wanted to put forward was um, when it came to uh, to planning, uh, certainly the kind of the, the content that you want to uh, so sort of get on stage and have uh, people appearing. Um, 
obviously Nerdist and Geek and Sundry have very distinct brands in terms of it's not just everything pop culture. It's very, it's almost mm-hmm. very specific, very curated. Um, Thank you. When, <laughs> when do you start having conversations with people and talent to, to kind of get them on board? Or is it a case of, okay, let's just find out who possibly is going to be in town? Because obviously no. we have the issue with Fox dropping out and things yeah. of that nature. So I, so this I, year is the first year that I, first year I that I outreach again. Outreach again. So I really, I had just been talking to people for South by, which is more film based, but I, I start reaching out beginning of the summer, um, you know, maybe two months out to publicists that I have worked with in the past or have been there for shows and films, and comics and all those, all those things that we would be interested in just to gauge who they have coming down there. I always say, like, look, under embargo, we're not looking to keep you. We just would really love to have you on on the carnival stage. So those those conversations start. I usually, I probably started them too early. People were like, "Calm down, Rachel. Like, we're still figuring it out." I'm like, "No, I get you on. I'm so excited. Come But um, we start a little early, and then as you know, tidbits start to trickle out, and we start hearing who might be there. We we follow along with some of the Comic-Con vloggers out there that are keeping an eye on on who's coming out uh, and just kind of say, like, hey, I saw that you're going to be in there. You want to come by? So um, it's, it's definitely an ongoing thing, and people will reach out two weeks before. They'll get on board very early. So it's it's not just our outreach. People, I think, come to like the Carnival experience, and they get to do these little interviews um, on stage that don't detract at all from the huge panels that we always cover on the editorial side, but they're a little bit through the And so, yeah, so it's, I probably started to really listen, but. Okay. <laughs> Something that really strikes me about Conival as well is obviously that big stage, uh, which certainly seemed a lot bigger this time round. It was a, a, an excellent um, <laughs> uh, panel stage. It was gorgeous. But it's not just about the stage. There's all these little nooks and crannies all the way around the entire Petco Park. Um, yeah. Is there any particular highlights for yourself which you kind of like to um, t- to check out? Uh, I mean, the uh, quite like the, the canoe photo opportunity, the yes. laser tag, there's, there's all sorts. I mean, is there anything that kind of jumps out at you as a highlight? I, I, I think all of them were really great. I think the thing that was most exciting was that it was all in me really felt like you were having an experience and had all of the um, the counselors there too with those really cool backpacks with the so the the scavenger hunt sort of um, treasure map challenge was actually my favorite because you get to see all of these cool things that you know our team put together and Geek and Sundry put together in the tabletop area and you got an exclusive pin at the end so sort of interactive you know come check out all of the things that we're doing with the map that you had and then all of the little um, I just thought that it was so cute and fun and made it feel like it was part of this like childhood sort of experience it brings you back to like doing the scavenger hunt and running around and doing the map and you could see people taking pictures with the burrito and then running across <laughs> it's not a race you can take your time there's plenty of friends so that was really fun I think the overall, like, I mean, I quite liked the, um, the the scavenger hunt element of it. I mean, it's almost like a mini Pokemon Go within yeah. Pokemon Go, which was taking taking place this year. So, yeah, yeah lots of fun. Um, this is from uh, Graham Small. Uh, this was my second time in San Diego during Comic-Con, but there did seem to be so many more off-site events. What do yeah. you, Rachel, think that makes Conival stand out amongst those? I think it's... And part of it is that we have our personalities that are wandering around, so you really get a chance to meet and experience, you know, Dan Casey punning it up in his element. We try to make it as interactive as possible so that you feel like you're getting the feedback there. Um, I think also the themes that we play around with and getting all of these fun activities into something new and different each year are really fun. And I really think that our hosts, I mean, Dan and Alicia and Clark Wolf especially, are thoughtful interviewers, and they have a lot of fun together. So I think that experience, even seeing 
Kyle Hill, our science editor, I almost cried when I saw this because I was so proud of him. And he's such a talented, brilliant, brilliant person. And we got to have this science of Star Trek discussion with Adam Savage and these brilliant scientists. And the whole place filled up. And you really felt like you were learning something and engaging with them. And I think that's something that we always try to do editorially is that it's not just, you know, repeating news or things like that. We always try to have an angle. We always try to come at it from a place of knowledge or experience or discussion and and have that sort of leave the news. It's not this casting news. It's, oh, but we know all the history of this character and what do we think this means for the movie and things like that. So I think that sort of engagement, we try to bring that from the editorial side to our events, so real, real life events. So. Um, I was just wondering... I, I... One of the hardest working people there seems to be Chris Hartwick. <laughs> just how many assistants does he have? I mean, to keep him on schedule and in costume, and I just it seems to be absolutely crazy with the stuff that some of these people have to do. Uh, some of the- I'm, I'm, st- I'm still convinced he's cloned. Yeah, it's the only possible <laughs> way. The robot. Um, yeah, no, he. He's got a team, but he's so passionate and so driven and, and one of those people that's just on, on top of their stuff that, you know, every time I see him, he's, he's happy, he's excited, he's on his way to the next thing. And yeah, I think he's, he's one of those people that it's just, that's how he is and that's how he operates. And I certainly would need a nap in between, but he, he loves what he's doing. So <laughs> it's really just fun for him. You know, it gets him into the pant he wanted to see, is what he says. So. How how often was he able to come across to Conival? Because he is being pulled from pillar to post, it seems. Yeah, he, uh, was he was he able to represent? Yeah, absolutely. He came and checked it out, and he also has his live podcast that he does every year, and he he moderated the Nerdist panel. So yeah, he kind of comes in, and and of course he's super involved in the planning stages, and then he's off around the entire thing. I think he's We'll see how long this uh, convoluted this answer could be. Because uh, this is regarding um, the conversation that a lot of people have when it comes to attending San Diego Comic Con and the expansion into the city, into what they call the campus experience. And one of the um, questions always is, is there any chance of using Petco at all as part of Comic Con itself? At which point, uh, people like myself and Alyssa, we kind of then do the argument that at the end of the day, it's a very expensive proposition to actually come into Petco. With yourself, you've obviously got a little bit of uh, leeway in terms of uh, your uh, the um, legendary uh, dump truck of cash, which thankfully is in the, in the back pocket. But um, just how much of a logistic nightmare is it to kind of marshal everyone's efforts to uh, to move into Petco? So that's been an established task, and we have a whole team of people who work on getting into Petco and we have, you know, our sales team. So we work with sponsors and have people come in. So that, I mean, thankfully is not really in my purview. I do much more of the content, but it's, it's certainly for everyone. I think it's a beast to go to Comic-Con in general, even as a fan, even as a, as a brand, you know, there's a lot that goes into it and it's always worth it. But, you know, we, we have those conversations each year and figure out what's going to work best for everyone. So, it's really an ongoing process, I think, of what's going to work for us this year. What did we learn from last year? And so far, we've, we've wanted to keep going back to that. So. Is it something that's always proven? To, has it gotten easier or is, is the conversation? I mean, because it always does seem that all the businesses and all the kind of elements around San Diego are very much looking at this kind of cash cow that comes in every single July. Uh, does it? Is it still um, something that is that we could see developing uh, for uh, Nerdist and Geek and Sundry? Or is it getting now very difficult to put on? No, I think it's this was a very smooth year for us. I think we learn a lot each year. And so for us, it's really about what's going to be best for Nerdist and Geek and Sundry, what's going to be best for what do we want to take away, the nature of how we cover and how we attend is everything better. You know, everyone live streaming, doing live programming for years, so it's really about figuring out what people are looking for, what they want to do. At the end of the day, for us, it's about 
throwing something really awesome for the fans. That's, I mean, that sounds like a, but it's true. It's the most fun that we have, and it's like our Super Bowl each year. You know, we, the whole team rallies together to put something on that we're really proud of. So I think each year we look at it and say, well, how can we do this better? And whatever that means, we're going we're gonna to find a way to do it. People underestimate um, the joy that you get from making other people happy and giving other people a, a, a great experience. Um, it's, it is, is very fulfilling and a very nice and rewarding experience. Do you do anything with kind of moving forward in, in thinking about this next few months? Are you going to be doing anything with the, the television shows, uh, the, the At Midnight? I, I think he's, is, isn't he moving up the At Midnight? Isn't that moving up to 1130? Yes, so that's Comedy Central, so we, right. you know, interact with them on, on social media or brands and things like that, but they have their, their own team managing the At Midnight uh, stuff, mm-hmm. but coming up for us, we have, I mean, we, we will be at New York Comic Con, we're figuring out in, in just exactly what capacity, um, and we've, we're, you may have seen, we're launching a new, a new project called Alpha, which, um, with is a partner with Geek and Sundry, and that's going to be, Chris describes it as a community clubhouse, so that's really taking this community that we have and that we're building and that we love and giving them more avenues to communicate with each other, to communicate with us. We brought back our Twitch channel for Nerdist, so we're doing more live programming throughout the week, and it's, you know, it's all people who are editing, and then they're hopping onto a show to discuss all, uh, you know, Nerdist News Talks Back we have, which is kind of going through all of the different things that we're covering throughout the day. Um, but we, we should be launching Alpha pretty soon, and it's really exciting because it's, I think it's taking that community aspect to the next level. Um, so we'll have a lot of really fun stuff to share about that in the next couple of months. And then we have Star Wars, and then it's just Star Wars. <laughs> <laughs> That's when I'm <laughs> so, so with Alpha, how um, you talked about uh, building a community. Um, so is it more, uh, are you talking forum-based with a, a, a bunch of uh, web interaction? Or uh, yes. what, what exactly is that? I don't understand. So it's going to be sort of a, a new place for people to engage more with our, our content on a deeper level. Mm-hmm. And chats and things like that, they'll be exclusive stuff and hopefully more live events so there should be more info coming out about that soon but it's really a place to take both of our communities and, and put them together so interesting thank you certainly one thing I want to just very quickly come back to Connell in terms of the con event and this is something that we can uh, kind of uh, wrap things up on in terms of moving forward is Connell going to stay at uh, San Diego Comic Con or are you going to be thinking of uh, moving it to uh, any of the other cons? Because you do seem very, very um, selective about the cons you you attend. You, you don't just show up at every single event. It is very much you, you have a very uh, firm grasp about the events that you want to uh, sh- to show up at. I think, uh, at least for me, we send people to cover different things on a smaller scale, but we really want to make sure that what we're doing is up to the level that we want to be doing it. So. Yes, we definitely want to be going to more events and doing more events, and we should be ramping that up, I think, next year. But it's it's really about making sure that we're not just going to go, that we have a plan, that we have a really awesome thing to share with everyone because we want to do it right. So there will be more, and, you know, I would love I'd be a very sleepy person, but I would love to go to all of them. You know, there's nothing like it. It's it's such a bonding thing for our, our teams, too, and our whole company goes, and we get to know people that, you know, you're in meetings with, but you don't always see all the time. And so it's for us as much as for the audience that we get to put on something that really celebrates the reason that our jobs are so much fun. Well, I can imagine that it's it's going to be another busy 12 months for you between now and uh, Comic-Con next year. Uh, let's just wrap things up with one thing then. Uh, from Conival 2016, what was the highlight for you for this year? Um, I would have to say American Gods was my favorite. That was 
when I when we booked that, I was over the moon. We had these this incredible cast and this Neil Gaiman and Brian Fuller and their their conversation with Olivia, who was this she's so thoughtful and really understands. That one was exciting, and then just in the green room, going, "Oh my God, it's Alice Wengen!" Like just freaking out. Um, so that was really fun. It was always <laughs> fan. So I'm like, "Hi, nice to meet you." You know, doing the whole spiel and inside, I'm like, "Oh my God, it's this person!" So that's really fun. So the whole thing, I I couldn't have been more proud of our team and everything they put on, and and how it turned out. Like I left feeling just so happy about everything that it all, you know, there are always little things behind the scenes that, you know, nobody knows about, but it went, it went so well and I had such a blast. So I hope people enjoyed it too. Um, One more quick question um, for Rachel. Anything, um, anything about New York Con, uh, Comic Con, do you think you're going to be there? Uh, (laughs) Well, I just had to get that in since it's a highlight of my fall and uh, just a really nice wrap up to the con season. Yeah, so we will definitely have people there covering. I'm not sure to uh, what extent yet. We're still kind of figuring that out, but we will definitely be there. Thank you very much. There you go. You couldn't get more vague than that. That was fine. That's okay. Rachel, thank you very much indeed for joining us. I think we can all agree Carnival was an absolutely amazing success. It was an, an incredible uh, setup and a, a brilliant addition to uh, San Diego Comic Con this year. Thank you. Excellent. Uh, well, I mean, we'd like to say thank you very much indeed for joining us. Where can people find you online, uh, Rachel? They can find me on Twitter. You can find me all over Nerdist. I'm on on and off the Twitch channel that we just launched, which is uh, twitch.tv slash Nerdist. So we have a lot of really fun programming. We're doing Nerdist News Live, Nerdist News Talks Back. We have Secret Headquarters with Dan Casey, where he has a panel of guests come on We've got Bizarre States Live, and Andrew Bowser doing occult stuff, which is my favorite. Uh, so Jessica Chobot, Natural Selection. So we're streaming all week long, and I pop in whenever I have time to just uh, bother people and go, hey. So, yeah, you can stream down there all the time. All good. <laughs> Excellent. Rachel, thank you very much indeed for joining us. Uh, enjoy the rest of your Sunday, and... Uh, Again, thank you very much for coming on. Thanks, guys. Bye-bye. Excellent stuff. So there you go. That was Rachel Hine from uh, Nerdist giving us a little bit of a peek behind the scenes of Carnival 2016. Hope you enjoyed that. Right. um, We're very quickly going to move on to uh, include and introduce somebody who uh, has never been on the, uh, the Hangout before. Uh, which would be uh, James Binder. Now, this is where I've uh, muted him because uh, we kind of uh, uh, wanted to make sure that uh, we didn't hear the background. While you're doing with that, uh, he's at Wizard World Chicago uh, this uh, at the convention and has graciously uh, agreed to, to be on the show uh, and giving us a live con report. I'm hoping that, that he'll be able to discuss a couple of questions that we have. One was the controversy about the um, the gun show. Uh, there were apparently there was going to be a, a, a gun manufacturer or a reseller that was going to be at Wizard World. Number one, I don't think that gun per, that has shown up, but we'll we'll get that information from James in a yeah. moment. Um, well, so, well, let's, I think it's I think it is a case of uh, James speaking at this point. I think it unmutes him. Are, are you there, James? I'm out now. Oh, there we go. Hey, hey, hey. Okay. Okay, James. So first things first, let's talk about your Wizard World experience. How's it been this week? I'm uh, very good. It's Wizard World is not C2E2. It is not by far San Diego. Uh, it's more of a pay-to-play con. You pay your money, you get your autograph. You pay your money. Your stuff, uh, but for a lot of people, especially in the Midwest, it's the biggest one we've got. So we kind of go with it. How does okay. it compare to E2, a C2E2? Uh, I would say there are more autographs here at C2, at, uh, at Wizard World, but there's less vendors, less artist alley, less uh, exhibitors. 
So let's let's discuss the. Uh, there's been a couple of elephants in the room, so let's uh, get on with the, the main one, which was um, CS Arms. Now, just to give everyone a bit of a background on this, this was a uh, retailer that was um, submitted to host a uh, booth at uh, Wizard World. Um, they originally were just coming as a um, cosplay uh, kind of representative, uh, doing replicas for guns. But at the end of the day, their primary business, as listed on their website and Facebook page, is they are gun resellers. And there was also the controversy that uh, they would be selling or reselling guns at uh, Wizard World, which, admittedly, on their social media, they have turned around and said that was never going to be the case. What was, the, I mean, I know that you went past the booth, uh, the booth space. I mean, was it something that was just completely removed? Leonard, it was obliterated. It wasn't even removed. There was, there was no sign of it electronically on their map on the Wizard World app. They don't even exist. There was nothing, no one. And actually, I asked a lot of different people walking around. I even asked at um, Tony Kim's booth, his assistant. They had no idea that it even happened. So there was a lot of smoke, very little fire, and I was expecting protesters and all kinds of things. There was nothing. It was it was over ninety minutes. Let's put it that way. <laughs> wow. Well, I mean, was there anybody kind of like loitering around as well? Do you, I can imagine there was a, a fair amount of kind of rubbernecking as people kind of come to the area just to oh just to see if it's there and get off the back you of know, the controversy. On on Thursday, I was not here when they removed the booth. On Friday, there's a couple people that I saw go past there two or three times, kind of looking like, wait, isn't this supposed to be? where it is, and instead it was a uh, hot and cold pack, you know, throw it in the, in the boiler for 10 minutes, take it out, it's hot, throw it in the freezer, it's cold, and people are like, okay, and that was it. I, it was very, very, in a sense, well done by Wizard World to make it disappear. Wow. <laughs> uh, so, I mean, what's been the general consensus of people that you've been speaking to at Wizard World? Is this a good thing, or is this something that people have felt you know what, they had a right to be here. What was, what's was what been the general consensus? general consensus has been very good that they were not. Uh, you know, you see many people walking around. I've seen 20 Deadpools. They all have big, oversized weapons, but they all have the orange front end on them. They, you can tell they're fake guns. You can tell they're not real. But everyone I've talked to said it's probably better that we don't have real weapons being sold of any type in in a convention where people come to feel safe. You know, that's, as, you know, as Alyssa, you said, you know, you find your tribe. This is where to find your tribe. This is where people come to relax, enjoy, not worry about things. And having a gun reseller here, not a good idea. I mean, it's one thing to do replica weapons from the uh, 1700s, and it's a totally different thing to be doing AK-47s, you know. And just the fact I, that I know that is scary to me. <laughs> I think that I counted. Yeah, I think the one argument that I had with somebody, which was particularly bizarre, was somebody saying, "But don't you want? Well, people are selling replica phasers. So what's the difference with that then?" And I'm thinking, <laughs> really? That, that's, that's the argument you're going to come up with. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, if you have a dilithium crystal that works, let me know. Yeah. <laughs> I want one. <laughs> yeah, me too. Yeah. <laughs> I'm on it. Something, another, another element of the argument as well has been the, not only, we, I mean, we've seen uh, replica weapons and people uh, selling these at uh, conventions before, but we also see uh, replica blades uh, say for um, yeah, so like samurai swords and that kind of thing. Is there anybody selling those at Wizard World, and have they had any um, issues this year, or if, has anybody confronted them about that? I have um, actually, at last count, there was about 13 different sellers of replica blades of every type, from katanas to Klingon batlets to size to you name it. None of them have had a problem. There's in fact a booth and. I, it might take me a little too long to walk over there, uh, but it's about 20 feet tall, and there's a giant flashing sign that says swords. So 
it's uh, but I, I talked to a couple of them. They were very cool, very you know. Oh no, I, you know, and you can tell the blades thick. They were not sharp. Um, there was nobody really. That seems to be fine. There's the everyone's been real good with that. No problems with them. And yeah, we've got at least twelve boots here with that. <laughs> I'm actually blown away at how many there are, but. Then again, that's just that's just me. I I find it a very strange element to be included at a, 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 pop, a pop culture event. Go on, Alyssa. Speaking speaking of booths, how many? Um, what are the larger booths at Wizard World about? I mean, I, I'm assuming there's no DC or Marvel. Am I correct? No, no not at all. You are absolutely correct. Yeah. Um, it's mostly uh, T-shirt booths like Skyline Online and. Uh, a few others, but there a lot of it is actual comic book sellers. Uh, there's certainly a large number of those. Um, a lot of pop culture toy things. Uh, Lego's big, but not an official Lego booth. A lot of resellers. So mm-hmm. it's it, it's it's like a small version of what C2E2 has. Uh, okay. Right. And I I understand oh, the artist Ali also represents as well. I'm sorry, Leonard? I understand the artist Ali represents quite heavily there as well. It, it does. And actually, you know, at C2E2, it goes into the double letters, you know, row A through double D or so. Um, here it gets to J, which is actually bigger for Wizard World. Uh, we went to Wizard World Madison, my wife and I. She's in line for uh, um, Foggy from Daredevil's autograph right now. And uh, they only had through, like, row E or F. Here it goes to J, and it was a fair amount, a lot of artists, a lot of, uh, of all types. Go on, Alyssa. It's, it's escaped to me. Oh, no. <laughs> Again. <laughs> I, I have the problem. Um, I do to her every time. I love it. Yes. <laughs> Fantastic. Um, I'll tell you what, while she's thinking on her question, um, let's um, talk about the other in the room, and I don't know how much this has been uh, discussed uh, this year. Uh, this was um, reported by Bleeding Cool uh, late last night, early this morning, and this is regarding a retailer of art at um, Wizard World, uh, either in the Artist Alley or just in the art retailer um, area, where they were actually reselling art by artists that were actually on the floor. Um, now, this is has, has this come across your radar at all? Not at all. Um... It, you know, thinking about it yesterday, my wife and I went through Artist Alley, and I thought I saw somebody with, like, the same prints. Um, I know that's become kind of a, a thing of late. Uh, I saw some Internet forum stuff about it, not here, but at other conventions where there's resellers selling the same stuff as somebody down the row. And, you know, that's not right. <laughs> My grandfather was an artist. I know what he would say about it. And uh, I haven't heard anything here, though, but admittedly, I've been in the autograph area most of the morning, uh, so I did not see it happen. And if, they, if Wizard World handled it the same way they handled DS Arms, no one would have seen it. It was, it was that real, real retailer would probably be gone by now. Fair enough. I mean, the booth sure. that um, I remember, well, the booth that we were talking about, uh, this was a booth that was selling uh, Genevieve Brumall's art, and uh, we've had Dan Berry, who's reported, they've removed all of that art, but they're still there selling art from other people, uh, it sounds like now. It's, I, it's just, uh, and not only that, but it's a slightly different um, setup to another uh, bit of controversy that took place at a con earlier on in the summer. Uh, where somebody was selling um, prints that were basically photoshopped versions of art from Jim Lee, uh, major, major artists that they'd kind of uh, uh, applied a filter to, and therefore they felt justified in selling that art. But this was actual prints from those artists unaltered, which was utterly bizarre. But there we go. Um, Okay. I, maybe I don't, I'm not un, quite understanding this. So they were getting, they bought a up single print from the artist and they reproduced it and were selling these those reproductions. Correct. That's okay. the, that's the general gist of it. Okay. 
Thank you for, for explaining. Yeah, just nuts and bolts to me. Because, I, I mean, there's plenty of people who resell um, artists' art. Um, all of the comic page people, they, they're, all, they're all reselling um, the art, too. So that's why I was a little confused with regards to that. Thank Fair you. Enough. It is sounding very lively there, James. It must be said. I mean, is it, is it uh, the one thing that we found when we've had outside reports, certainly on the Sundays, um, is that nowadays it really is a full day. It's not no longer a quiet day. Was it, is it like that at Wizard World? It is, uh, partially due to uh, Carrie Fisher being here, Charlie Cox from Daredevil, and Norman Reedus. I can see him right now. And, uh, so that's where that, all the shouting's coming from. <laughs> <laughs> if you hear a loud cheer, it's because somebody just showed up. Yeah. Uh, Can you turn I'm the actually... camera around? Sure, sure. <laughs> See. Whoops, oh, point down. Just, uh, do the camera to him. <laughs> Sorry, <Eddie>. Yeah. <laughs> so is this the is this the autograph area? Yeah. That's correct. Uh, it's uh, it goes fairly far back. Um, it's surprisingly been uh, it's larger this year than it was last year. Uh, they've added, well, we had the entire cast of the X-Files here the past couple days, which that's my childhood, so that was, you know, my, uh, my starstruck moment. And uh, Michael J. Fox was here yesterday. Uh, so they, they bring in a fair group of people. Bring in some names, absolutely. Yeah. Fantastic. Yeah. Excellent stuff. Thank you very much indeed for uh, being uh, available to talk to us about Wizard World. Certainly, I know that um, you've got uh, the rest of a great Sunday to uh, experience, so we'll let you get off and uh, okay. enjoy that. Um, thank you very much indeed for uh, taking part. Oh, hang on. Alyssa yeah. has one. I'm just question. nice to see you, James. You too, Alyssa. You too. Yeah. <laughs> enjoy your Sunday. I will. Thank yeah. you, Leonard. Thank you, Alyssa. Thank you very much indeed, Dick. Excellent. Um, off the back of that, then, we will, uh, myself and Alyssa, continue to talk about uh, the other elements that have come up in the um, uh, the Q&A. Uh, the one person that has been following these um, events is, has been Dan Berry. Um, he turned around and said that there was a statement, um, and I'm trying to work out where this statement has come from. Uh, customers report that they have been told that these prints that they have been reselling have been sold on behalf of the artist's except this appears not to be true. Certainly uh, in, uh, the, uh, on behalf of uh, Genevieve, that was definitely not the case. Uh, Samantha, maybe, has uh, commented on the um, replica arms. Uh, with the changes in weapons policies at, at Comic-Con 2016, I'm a little surprised that similar policies haven't extended to booze at other cons yet, at least requiring you to wait until the end of the day to carry any replica swords out of the building. That sounds like a good idea. I, I quite like that one. That's uh, cool. Uh, that quote, by the way, from uh, Dan, that was from the Bleeding Cool article. Um, I will try and find the um, uh, the link to that, and we'll put that in the uh, uh, the comments below of this video. Okay. Uh, Samantha, maybe again. I know What's Your Passion Jewelry is there selling licensed Marvel merchandise. They're lovely people and make great products. Certainly difficult than uh, different than a SDC Marvel booth. So there is the element there of um, licensing and people actually selling on behalf of people. But it's when you have companies that are effectively just straightforward stealing from the uh, original artist. I can imagine for yourself, Alyssa, as somebody that goes to the artist alley. I mean, this is something that just absolutely incenses you. Oh, absolutely. Um, specific. I don't buy prints, though. And when the artist reproduces something into a print, it 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 lessens its value to me because I I want to see a limited print run. I bought a Sam um, a Sam, a Sam Hines print. Um, actually, actually, let me get to it. Let me get to it. Uh, I'm gonna. I'm, I will a Sam Keith print, and it was limited. It was a high art print, and it was limited to 50 per person. So those are the prints that would particularly incense me because here I am buying a limited edition item, and somebody is coming along and making a cheap reproduction of it. It it would be very annoying, very, yeah. very upsetting to me. And it's like repro reproducing um, a, a print, you know, an art, 
um, a comic art page and not and representing it as being the original art page from a comic book, which is by nature, by its own nature, one of a kind. It's it's you don't copy the Mona Lisa. If you say if you copy the Mona Lisa, you say you're copying the Mona Lisa. You know what I mean? So, yeah, yeah. Unfortunately, Leonardo isn't around to uh, verify uh, that particular print. Uh, so uh, hopefully we don't see that uh, at conventions uh, anytime soon. Thank you very much indeed to Dan Berry for uh, putting the link up. If you are taking part in the Q&A, that is available there. That should give you the full uh, idea of their uh, extent. Um, they also added a, a thing at the bottom of the Bleeding Cool article, which was almost just putting the boot in. You'll have to go to the Bleeding Call article to see what I mean. It just seemed a very bizarre uh, setup. Right. Um, there is a, a conversation that we were going to have regarding the Chargers Stadium, um, but that is something that came in a little bit late to the conversation to me. So I think we'll talk about that uh, uh, on a future episode. Uh, and certainly I think we should dedicate a small portion to a future episode about the whole Issue and discussion regarding the expansion of Comic-Con, expansion of the convention center, the plans to use land available in San Diego, and what the San Diego Chargers are doing to coerce and pressure uh, a lot of people into choosing the uh, stadium uh, expansion plan. It does seem incredibly fraught, and it's something that I want to cover in a future episode, a very dedicated. I want to try and get some bodies uh, from... Uh, pretty much all sides of the argument, and I do want to try and get somebody from the charge. I'd, I'd love to try and get somebody from the Chargers, from the stadium. I want to try and make it a little bit of an, an episode of it. So I've suggested that. Don't worry. We are going to cover it. I just want to try and frame it properly. So that's uh, something that we want to talk about. It right. Makes sense. Yeah. I, I would love to do an episode. So also coming up on um, the fall television and just, you know, talking about all of the shows, the great shows that are coming out this season. I think there's um, half a dozen sci-fi shows I mentioned at the top of the the year. Um, we've got uh, tonight in television, we have a return of fear of the walking dead and talking dead. Um, which sets us up for the season premiere October 23rd of the The Walking Dead. So that franchise is uh, is is off and running. I, they're going to be doing a panel at New York Con. Um, New York uh, Comic Con is, I think, they're doing something at Madison Square Garden um, in their Madison Square Garden theater uh, for both. Uh, uh, was it Game of Thrones and Walking Dead? I'm not sure. I'm sure Mike will, Mike will correct me if, if I've got this correct. But we've also got tonight is the closing Olympic ceremony. So no more Olympics after tonight. Um, which I have to admit, not being a big fan of the, uh, uh, track and field, I'm kind of okay with, but you know. I can understand people being interested in. Do you watch uh, track and field at all? I think you've uh, you're selling yourself short there. I think (laughs) there's been a lot happening, especially when it comes to the Americans and the bit of uh, controversy there on the track and field. I have no problem with that. But uh, no, it is the yeah final uh, uh, closing ceremony tonight. So um, if you Mm -hmm. you're watching that, right? Just to give you an update of other shows as well um, that we're going to be doing, and certainly next. Oh, Alyssa, you're looking. No, no, there's also, um, Geeking Out Tonight is doing, um, an AMC, uh, AMC is doing a show called Geeking Out. It's the third episode. This week is particularly notable because Jeff Loeb, the executive VP for Marvel TV is going to be on. He's a four-time Eisner Award winner. And I, he's also going to be on with Charlie Cox from Daredevil. So I'm, I'm particularly making sure that I get this one recorded on DVR. I missed the first two geeking out episodes and I'm kind of kicking myself for it. So set the DVR. I think it's at midnight Eastern time and hopefully we'll get some insight as to what we're looking forward to for the, the Netflix and Marvel TV coming up this fall. Okay. Take it away, Leonard. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, this is just more regarding uh, episodes that are coming up and also what's going to be happening uh, in terms of 
how the show is going to be evolving uh, shortly. Next week, uh, another packed show. Thank goodness. Uh, we've got another live report. Uh, we've had somebody who joined us not only on, um, on our uh, I'm on a boat episode, but also uh, a couple of episodes before we uh, got into San Diego. Samantha maybe is going to be heading to NerdCon next week. So we're going to be having a live report from that. Another show I don't know a great deal about, so I'm really looking forward to hearing what uh, she uh, has to say about um, that particular convention. So I'm looking forward to that. Uh, she's also going to be getting a couple of people involved where we're going to get the chance to talk to them about their uh, NerdCon experience. Uh, Catherine Elhofer is somebody who uh, uh, she's going to be jumping in and talking to, so looking forward to that. And we're also going to be joined as well by Shane Jebsey. Chebsey who is the guy who organizes the ICE Expo, which is the International Comic Expo. Um, uh, that's going to be next week. Um, that's a show that's going to be um, coming up in the next couple of months. Some major names being involved. Uh, he's also going to be talking to us about um, how the, me the mechanics of putting a con like that on when things go horribly wrong, because the uh, National Arts Council funding was pulled from underneath their uh, underneath their the rug, basically, and they have managed to get sponsorship. So when things like that happen, we're going to be talking about Shane. Uh, wasn't wasn't he on our show last year too? Uh, he was a very a very articulate gentleman. Um, really really enjoyed that. And that, if I recall correctly, you had you did an uh, um, a from the con report on ICE last year, didn't you? I didn't do an on on the site, no, but um, yeah. Cause it, so it's a one it's a one day event. It basically takes mm -hmm. place on a Saturday. Um, but we also had um, Mike Martz from Aftershock uh, joining us as well. So, um, yeah. Hopefully, hopefully this year uh, there is going to be a because uh, I'm going to be going and hopefully going to be attending there for the weekend. Hopefully we'll have uh, somebody joining us for that as well. But next week, Shane Jebsey from Ice is going to be joining us. Right, things or something that's going to be happening in the next couple of weeks. Um, or certainly in the next two, uh, three, four weeks, is the transition of Google Hangouts from Google Plus to YouTube Live. Now, just to kind of clarify how that's going to affect the Hangouts, in terms of you watching right now, it's not going to affect you at all. It's going to be the same experience. You're going to see us talking just as we are doing right now. The only difference is going to be in the way that you can interact with us because there's going to be no way of hosting this inside a Google Plus shell. So there's going to be no more Q&A. This is where we're going to have to start doing some working out of how we can change the show. Uh, apparently, there is a comment section and a Q&A section built in within Google, uh, sorry, within uh, YouTube Live. How it works because I've never done it before. Um, so. What we are doing is we're going to be doing a show on the 4th of September in two weeks' time where we're actually going to be hosting it from within YouTube Live. Uh, we're going to find out how the uh, Q&A works, and then the, in about two weeks after that, when the migration fully happens, uh, at least we'll have some idea of how we're going to be doing the Hangouts from there on in. But if there's anything that you want us to talk about, um, and certainly the ways that you want us to promote the show, and we want to let more people watch the show, do let us know, and uh, we'll see if we can iron out some bugs in two weeks' time. It's going to be on Google+, Plus, so you're more than welcome to get your questions in to Shane and to Samantha on the Google+, Plus Q&A. So that's how that's going to work. Um, Right, let's just go through a couple of last-minute comments. Um, Michael Leventhal, uh, Doctor Who and Walking Dead is going to be at the Madison Square Garden. Uh, AMC is, owns BBC, so they seem to be taking over the Madison Square Garden Theatre. Expect Fear of uh, fear the Walking Dead and possibly Preacher announced from uh, the garden further down the road. That's his prediction on that one. Uh, Dan Berry is apparently going to be at NerdCon as well, so you never know. We may have two people on screen uh, joining us for that particular episode. That could be rather cool. Uh, so hopefully um, Dan Berry will be able to stalk Samantha maybe, and she'll actually be able to know about it this time. So who knows? Uh, that could uh, you know, at least keep that uh, official. Um, what else have we got? Um, pretty much us when it comes to uh, uh, the comments. Excellent stuff. Michael P is watching as well. Thank you very much indeed for all your comments as well. Certainly someone who uh, says that we should do a Chargers episode. So leave it with me. I will make that my priority this week. 
we will do our best to get that organized in the next month or so. I think that that'll be a, a reasonable timetable. Um, actually, Alyssa, I wanted to ask you, uh, is there any kind of cons other than uh, New York that we'll be covering in future episodes? Is, is there anything else that you'll be heading to? Um, I just Star Trek. Uh, I may try and fit something else in if there's another smaller local con in New England. Um, but I haven't, I don't have anything on my plate at this point. Mostly I'm, I'm focused on those three events, um, in addition to starting back up at school, getting back onto winter hours at work, those kinds of, those kinds of things. So once all of that, that happens, I'll hopefully be able to take a look at the rest of the year and pre-reg because... Well, yes, that is going to be thundering <laughs> towards us, isn't it? Yes. Uh, if, you are, if you're out there and you are attending a con and you want to jump in, we would love to know about the, any events that you're going to. We'd love for you to jump in on there, just like James did. Uh, he reached out to us and said, I'm going to be there. Yes, we'd love to see these cons up uh, close and personal. So please do let us know if you are heading to any conventions as the season uh, winds down in the summer. Right, I think that's us. I think it's been a packed show. I've really enjoyed it. Uh, Thank you very much indeed to Rachel. Thank you very much indeed to James for joining us. Alyssa, uh, where can people find you and uh, what would you like to just wrap up on? Um, friendsofcc.com forward slash forum will bring you directly to the forum. We've also got a great blog going, um, where I've posted the week in upcoming television, uh, just give some geeky highlights and that's at friendsofcc.com. I do, I do partake in the Twitter, although not occasionally I will like ignore it for a day or two and that's friends of CCI. Excellent. Uh, for myself, you can find me on Twitter, Englishman SDCC. If you search for an Englishman in San Diego in most social medias, I'm there. I'm doing my best to uh, post a lot more on Instagram. And starting this week, my focus is absolutely going to be on the Patreon account as well. You can find me at patreon.com slash Englishman SDCC. I'm going to be uh, determined to put some exclusive content up there, especially uh, some video and audio from my time in San Diego Comic-Con, and uh, a little bit of an update of a project which one or two people out there may know about. bit of an exciting idea that uh, we're floating. Uh, You'll be able to find out more about that if you uh, sign up as a supporter on patreon.com slash Englishman SDCC. Thank you very much indeed for uh, joining us today. Um, Back again next week, 10 a.m. Pacific, 1 p.m. Eastern, 6 p.m. GMT, Join us for our episode with Shane Jepsey and also Samantha Maybe from NerdCon. Do take care and enjoy the rest of your Sunday. Bye, everybody. Take care. Thank you.